Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside Mentors Minds, where we dive deep into amazing humans to find out what got them to where they are today and to just dive deeper into their mindset. And today we have a very special guest and someone that I'm very inspired to talk to today. Pauline, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So for anyone that is coming across you for the first time and learning about your work, do you want to give a little bit of a background of who you are and what the transformation you facilitate for others? Um, I'm a French girl, obviously, like everybody's going to hear my accent in a second. So <laughs> <laughs> let's begin by like <laughs> the elephant in the room. Uh, and I'm also um, affected by a chronic condition called Ehlers-Danlin syndrome, a genetic condition that have uh, lead me into a wheelchair a few years ago and we in a place where I had to fight for myself and find solution um, and on the way I have been to find hypnosis, cognitive behavioral therapy, anxiety, movement therapy, yoga and today I try to deliver um, what I have find helping me and to help people to find their own solution and empower them uh, to, to live their life to the fullest. Amazing. And actually how you and I got talking was in a hot tub in Nirvana and you just started <laughs> diving deep about anxiety. And I remember I asked you this question and it really stuck with me. I thought, I asked you, do you think anxiety is an overused word in this day and age? What's your thoughts on that? I think like we all talk about anxiety, but because we, we have that conception of stress, that stress is bad. And it's not like anxiety is not like, it's just a stress that you maintain on long term. So the problem is not like the stress. The problem is like that you maintain it on long term. But stress can be really useful. There is you stress, distress. and I think the, the problem is not really anxiety, the stressor, it's the way we handle it. And we never give the opportunity to people to learn how to handle. We say anxiety is bad and push that away instead of just learning, learn, learning to deal with uh, the stress in a more mindful, healthy way. So, yeah. So I, I'm so curious. Um, I don't, I actually don't know this part of your story. Tell, tell me, take me back to your journey because your journey just sounds incredible. Like how old were you when you got diagnosed and then how soon after you got diagnosed did, were you in your wheelchair? Um, I always had kind of sim some kind of symptoms that was weird. But when you grew, grew up, um, in Europe, as a woman, you often dismissed in your like symptoms. It's in your head. It's stress. Um, it's, it's as you can't be in that much pain. And I was a dancer, and of course, like you put a lot of pressure on your joints, so that's normal that you get injuries and stuff. But I was getting injured more and more. And at one moment, a few years ago, I was around 27. I was injuring really a lot. 
because my disease, it has done come with a lot of dislocation, um, joint pain. So I could like dislocate knees or shoulders a few times a week. So it, it, it was not normal anymore. Uh, it was not possible to be normal. Tachycardia, when you stand up, is not normal. And, you know, like, or like those symptoms, fainting because you have to stand up in a queue, in a line too long, you know, like wow. all those baby things that make like your life hell on earth. Um, and, and suddenly I had the chance to find a doctor. Uh, I came for a nephrotic. A4 test for tachycardia uh, in a cardio, uh, cardio center. And the cardiologist see me and say, what's your symptoms? And so I describe, no, I say all the symptoms, like not just the cardio symptoms. And he, he come back with like a test, 50 question, long test. And we pass all the questions and he say, listen, you go downstairs and like, it was a service for LS Dunnans, and I didn't know, but that cardiologist was the cardiologist for LS Dunnans people. And I had the chance to find that cardiologist, and I didn't heard about LS Dunnans before. And I had the chance to have someone just say, I know what you have. <laughs> like, I saw that before. And I arrive at the LS Dunnans Center, and I get tested, and the process is quite long, and suddenly, the news come we are sorry you have evidence and now your life's going to be completely different because there is no cure so this is a wheelchair because and this is painkiller morphine and all the medications that come with it and and grief your former life because this is your life now and i came in a Okay, came first the depression, <laughs> the denial, yeah. the depression, like all the, the grief <laughs> stages. And, and at one moment, I had the chance, and I think also that's why I shifted into cognitive behavioral therapy. I find a cognitive behavioral therapist who told me, listen, obviously you want to try and you want to fight. Uh, I'm going to tell you something that I don't say often, try Try everything that you, because if you don't try, you're gonna regret it anyway. And if you try and that's not working, you will be in the same situation. So mm -hmm. <laughs> go for it, go crazy, try everything. And I did, I did, I tried hypnosis, I tried Creo, I tried Wim Hof, I tried breath work, I tried oxygen adventure. On the way, I, I like long list of stuff. And some have worked, some not. But I and I just like kept everything, the things that was working, refined them, uh, studied them more. And, and today I have like a diploma in cognitive behavioral hypnotherapy. Uh, I have also a special formation in uh, trauma, trauma disorder, anxiety disorder. Um, uh, I have also a certification in breath work and oxygen, um, oxygen advantage structure. I have a yoga diploma and, and yeah, now I'm, I continue to refine uh, the subject of epigenetic because that's it. The solution is, uh, is there, is inside us. Well, I got goosebumps when you're telling me this. This is just incredible. Like, congratulations on your uh, journey and your inspiration, your success. It's just 
so admirable to see like you know it's so often it's actually something that this weekend that I went through is like um, I realize that I'm taking life for granted a, bit, a little bit it's just so easy to take life for granted without tuning in and being like wow like I can breathe I can I can see I can hear you know like I have to be like aware and so it's just fascinating to see where you come from to, to, to what you've just overcome for anyone you, you said a word that I, I don't know if everyone in the audience will understand, but I think it'd be cool. And I, I would love to know your experience in it. Uh, what is epigenetics and w what, what have you done with this work? Oh, epigenetic is like a subject that I have begun to, to go like even more recently because a doctor told me, Oh, what you do is epigenetic. Because when they have begin to see my progress, for example, in this autonomy, as a, a symptoms that's come with, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, um, with fainting, it's a, a nervous system disorder. So you have the tachycardia and stuff. So when they test you, when they retested me, they say, oh, you, we have the image of someone under medicamentation. So with you not taking medicamentation anymore, medication anymore. So that's mean like you master it without anything. And they say that means that what you do for living change the way your DNA expresses or like change your symptoms and it's genetic. So the principle of epigenetic is like you can't change your DNA, but you can change the way your DNA expresses by the way you live, Ooh. by the way you think ah. and the way you eat and everything, your lifestyle and also your environment. There is a lot of things that actually influence your genes at a, a really deeper level. And you can't change the, 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 the map, but so what your DNA gonna like, <laughs> how it's gonna express is due to few pillars of health, the way you sleep, the way you eat, the way you move, because you pull on your DNA. Um, for those interesting in that, there is a guy called Tom Myers who wrote uh, Anatomy Trains. And he talked more about that. Uh, and um, that's called microtensegrity, for those who are really interested in that, how movement affects the DNA. And also the way you manage your anxiety and also the way you manage your environment. So environment, the way you think, your anxiety or your own self-talk, the way you eat, the way you move, and the way you restore and recover. Wow. So would you say then you actually have you've you've completely altered the way your dna expresses itself then um that i don't really care I, the only thing that i can really tell right now is like i'm a genetic disease girl that live without medication and that humans that i had no dislocation and not massive sim symptoms anymore so it's like and I see that in few, I was talking with a doctor, uh, EDS people doctor, and he said, oh, that's really interesting because we saw like improvements of people like moving out from a city to another, meaning that there is city where the symptoms of um, LSDNS patients are much more important uh, than in that city. 
And we were thinking like it was demographic or whatever, but in fact, that's maybe the impact of environment. So they begin to search a little bit on that. That's not mean that you're responsible of your, of your disease or whatever circumstances you have, but you still have power on it. Um, and this is, this is a thing, you know, I really hate like when coaches say, oh, this is your fault. You have to fix yourself. You have to change. They want people to change people. And they say, you are responsible of it. And they like blame, victim blaming or passion blaming or whatever. And what I learned from my experience as, as a therapist, as a coach, is that the problem is never the person or she's not like, we never try to like, have a disease or go in bad relationship or whatever. But the solution is always in the people. So, so they are not the problem, but they are the solution. So I, I'll, yeah, and I think this is epigenetic. You, you have always access to a lot of solution and, and you don't need much money to access it because the solution is there. So, yeah. That's really beautiful. Um, so t talk, talk me through, I'm really curious, like, usually anyone of greatness has a very dark moment. Um, talk to me if you feel like sharing, um, like, what was it like receiving that from the doctors, like that diagnosis or that understanding, like really when it's coming to your face, you're like, I know something's wrong, but like, I should go to get this checked out. Now you get it checked out and you find out you have all this. They give you a wheelchair. Like, what, how long were you in, like, some, like, deep, dark stuff? And then what was the moment you got yourself out? Because I can imagine some people don't get out of what they're in. And they allow that diagnosis to, to be their destiny, essentially. I, I think, like, there is a trauma there, a trauma phase. But for every people who got into a diagnosis of a chronic disease, what is really interesting is like, there is that moment of trauma they can remember. If you are someone with cancer, uh, leukemia, um, or chronic disease like me, and they remember exactly and really precisely the moment they have, um, the moment they get it, my life is different. You know, like, as a reality slab. Me, I still remember um, the texture of the walls that I was touching. Uh, I, I can still smell the, like, wow. the room. Like, I can, it's really vivid. Um, and, and I think it's okay, you know, like, to realize that your life, and also, like, because they just, like, throw that at you, you know, and after they, they lynch me, the, you know, so we have, like, you have that, uh, we're gonna test you because you need, we need to check that you have not the vascular one, which is like the mortal one. So they, okay, so um, and if you are not bleeding from inside, so so we're gonna make few tests. So you're gonna take up and then thank you, bye. And they just lynch you out there, but with no recommendation, no advice, like nothing, no therapist, you know, like they, <laughs> and they lynch you there, and I. I remember that it, there were stairs to go down and I just sat there for 20 minutes crying with no clue of 
what I was going, who to call. And I remember after that going into the underground and I was still in Paris at that moment. And like, it was rush hour and the, the people around the noise. And, and I just like had a massive panic attack at that moment. Uh, ending up going home and not being able to able just like walk house like in, even in the corridor for a few weeks because I was scared my brain just like had that uh, I've glued the sensation of panic and that noise and crowd around me and I was really overwhelmed um, and that moment of I'm hopeless helpless <laughs> and I have no clue of where my life is going anymore. And, and, and you know, you have that anxiety mixed with depression, mixed like, with trauma. And, and I, I think what saved me really weirdly is ego. I was hating for people to see me in a wheelchair. I was hating not being able to dance anymore. I was eight, like, the, my ego wanted like like my ego was like so I was so hurt <laughs> by that because I, that I have begun to find solution because it was not acceptable so like really my dear Niall face became defiance and there is a sentence that when since I'm like really young I can't suffer it's like you are not able to do that. And when the doctors told me, you will never make it, that will never like, happen. You will never dance again. I was like, I'm going to show you. And, and that defiance uh, voice made me do all the steps. So normally it's a really bad thing to be in that kind of mode. But in my case, <laughs> it was like, it's like, even today, like for people who follow me, I'm moving to a handstand and I want that handstand. And if I get into that journey, it's because a doctor told me, say, okay, you can walk again. But that's not like if one day you will be able to do something extraordinary, like a handstand or whatever. And I say, get to show you. And you know, it's always like really, and it's true that the handstand is also the perfect image of a functional body. You have to stack your hand, shoulder, you have to be flexible, but strong and whatever. So for me to get to that position is showing like, look, I'm disabled and I'm highly dysfunctional on paper, but I get in that hyper-functional body able to do it. And for me, it's also like a symbol. It's really symbolic physically and mentally also because it's it's going upside down facing your fear uh be able to focus and relax in highly challenging positions so you know like that's what i try to transmit to people wow <laughs> wow i had no idea about all that that is incredible it's so true Going into the handstand is literally like turning all that, what they said, on its head, literally. Yeah. Um, so what was the, what's the journey? How, how, let's say from like when you said you were fainting and dislocating and all that. And like, this is what I love about people. It's like you and I trained at Nirvana. You're now in Paris, but when you were here in Bali, like 
you'd have no idea unless you talk to someone. You'd have no idea mm -hmm. all this was going on. So what, what's that? What's, see, that, what's that been like? Uh, what, the training or? So like, like from diagnosis to, to like dislocate fainting to, to, to where you are now doing handstands. That's like incredible. Yeah, and also that's also another thing that you said that you have never a clue of like what people, apart if you talk to them. But it's really the thing. It's like everybody, and I really think everybody have a certain level of trauma. For some, it's really like vivid. You can see it really quickly. But for like, we have all traumas. Like for me, it's on paper. I have a genetic like thing and it's disease and I'm considered as disabled. So like, but everybody have a like, like disability in some way like that so can be social anxiety that can be like you know <laughs> public speaking anxiety or even like childhood trauma like everybody have like a certain amount of um of challenge nobody have like a perfect life or uh, you know the problem is also that because of also social media instagram and stuff we always see just a good side of people and when suddenly we face challenges it's like oh my god i'm so unnormal i'm so unnormal i'm so, so like i'm so so shit you know like i i have anxiety i have like bad moments oh my god i i hate my body but you know like oh oh i don't like this or i don't and no, you're human. That's a part of human experience. Welcome in real life, you know, but Instagram <laughs> is not real life, you know, and, and also we are always sure that we should not talk about our problem or because nobody has some like us, but more we open and more we share, more we discover that we are really different in our traumas nobody has the same trauma or the same challenges in, in their life but everybody has some like everybody has some shit on the table <laughs> that's that's for sure and and i think it's also like validates that that it's really important in the new world that's coming um and saying hey you're just human that's okay you know that's not define who you are what happened to you, to you don't define who you are, but the way you handle it will. And this is up to you. And, but don't be ashamed of what you lived or what you faced, because this is not you. And, and we are all there. <laughs> so, but yeah, I think it's, uh, that's also what it's important with the new kind of influencers that's coming out saying, hey, I have anxiety. It's normal. Um, you know, I think it's really normal. Uh, but for coming back to your question about how I did it, I think it's like progress is a process. So it's not mm. coming overnight. It's about testing, trying, failing, going back to it, learning from like, oh, that's not working. A lot of people say, oh, but what if... I try this and it's not working. You will learn because every time you like something not working, the good feedback is to say why it's not working. Why why did it? It's not working really great. It's like when you do like coming back to that handstand and say, okay, why? What did I? 
do differently and why it's not working there you know and, and you say okay so i'm gonna start, try that because if that's not working for that reason that's maybe this will maybe work for this reason and it's like making a puzzle working together so building your own solution is always that it's like, like it's not like oh this is the solution this is working perfectly you know um so what diets okay what's okay uh, cognitive behavioral hypnotherapy work does mean like is acceptance working uh, therapy work too okay i'm gonna mix that together what i the way i coach today is like my own process to take what's was working best in everything and creating my own solution you know and that's what i try to deliver to make a shortcut for people that does not mean that they don't need to make their own way and work on it and implement it and integrate it there is no magic trick so yeah it has been a long process so at the beginning for example for dislocation i have begun to realize that uh, i was always dislocating the Part that was like really really flexible but also that i had no strength there uh, and so i have begun to find a solution to try to build more strength with electrostimulation or stuff and now today i've trained a lot in yavana to re-put <laughs> strength into joints and to stabilize because the problem is not like you're hyper mobile and super flexible it's like you have no no strength to hold everything together so okay this is working oh pain ah oh, hypnotherapy work great self-hypnotherapy work even better because i do it on myself um and that's not exactly what i need so that's good okay let's find that ah oh, mine if hypnosis work great that means that you can maybe remove the bad idea you have and the misconception and beliefs that like retain yourself so this is mindfulness this is a day hypnosis process ah okay you see it's like a lot of i know that people would love to hear that there is a magical solution and if you implement it for eight weeks that's gonna work great but that's not the truth the truth is like progress is a process and you're gonna sweat for it that's gonna be hard and and on the way you will have i don't like to talk about relapse but lapse there, there will be moments like of ah and and you will go back again after because this is life this is not that this is more a wavy process with guessing and, and a lot of setbacks on the way but that's perfectly okay wow so you said you don't like the word relapse, but you like the word lapse. What? Talk to me about that distinction. Because relapse is about, I have failed. It's, you know, like, people think like, oh, so I have like, I, I, okay, I have a progression and suddenly I have a relapse. Relapse means that you have failed and you go back to what you were before. Yeah. Saying you have a lapse, wow. just saying it's a moment. You know, it's like you are, and the difference is like the relapse is I have failed. I go back to what I were before, and all that I have done is like I have erased everything. The lapse means it's a moment and it's an opportunity for me to recommit to what my goal was. So it's actually an opportunity for me to choose right now in which direction I want to be. 
like I want to go. Do I want to go there? And it's just a learning moment where I can make that choice again and recommit again to the person I really want to be or to go back to the person I were. The relapse is like erasing all the process, all the progress you made uh, and all the paths you already made to say, I, I get back straight to the beginning. And that's, that's why I think the word you use is really important. And, and to make that choice again is really powerful. And to say straight away to the top, okay, I have a lapse moment. Um, this is a moment I'm not in such a good like, space right now, but I can recommit again to that person that I really want to, to become. And I, I think it's much more powerful for people to, to have that inner talk. So I think um, there's always something powerful about uh, vulnerability and I feel the space that you feel uh, strong enough to share. Uh, I can feel it in you, correct me if I'm wrong, but when was the last lapse you had and what did you do to overcome it? Um, recently I was in Bali and I was facing um, a breakup. So. I break up for a really long relationship, six year relationship. Uh, so, <laughs> but it was tough. Uh, and I had also a scooter accident. And when, and I had like a broken hand, some dislocation and massive bruises and like problem, like also in the foot. And it was really hard because also not just because of the accident, but each physical trauma can trigger a, a flare-up of my disease. So I knew that I, I was going like to have like more symptoms for like in next weeks after the accident. So it was like challenging in terms of anxiety, in terms of like my inner grief, emotional grief, uh, because of uh, my recent breakup. And I had a moment where I was like, shit. And even like that instant process was, oh, my end is broken, uh, so I can't go upside down anymore. So I had a moment where my life had changed, my support uh, and my life emotionally is completely different now. Uh, I'm gonna face a flare up because of that traumatic event physically. And uh, I'm, facing also the fact that my mini goal of handstand is like kind of stopped like and maybe i'm i'm not getting there anymore and i don't know if i will be able to make it anymore so i'm like whoo uh challenging and what i learned is that sometimes you are like on that path and for example, for Edstein, it's I've been like, like, I like that image because it's really like symbolic, but it's helped people to understand. It's like, I couldn't go on my hand anymore, but I could go on my headstand and on my shoulder. So I have begun to work the same position on different way. My yoga teacher told me, you're a hypnotherapist. Hypnose yourself. Rehearse mentally. Do it. Challenge yourself mentally. And I was doing like a handstand meditation every morning <laughs> visualize myself going in handstand and weirdly five weeks ago five, five weeks after the accident i was going back in handstand even better to where i was before 
even with like a broken hand. So it's like sometimes you can't go on like, like the road will not be what you thought it would be, but you can still go around, you know. And sometimes it's, it's longer, it's, but you're gonna learn different things. It's like, you can still like be, oh, I can't do it that way. But what is really good about resilience is, you know, like people have that thought about resilience, that resilience is about going back to what you were before, but nobody go back to what he was before. Nobody can tell me after a trauma or a traumatic event, a breakup or whatever, oh, now I'm the person I, I was like one year ago. Mm -mm. That's never happened. We think, I want to be the person I was. No, you, you will not. That mm -hmm. will not happen. Resilience is about adaptation. It's about not just being able to overcome it, but also building the skills that will make you able to overcome other things on the way. You will be different because you, you, get, you got stronger. People think they got stronger because of the challenging what does not kill me make me stronger but that's not true that's not the challenges that make you stronger that's the skill you built in the process of overcoming it <laughs> you know that, that's the that's the skill you build that make you stronger so when you have a setback ask yourself what kind of skills and coping tools you can grab on the way it's like you know when you have those games uh, like like virtual games and you are in a forest and you have like a box and you take the box oh i have a sword like at the moment that's not really useful but like <laughs> two, two level after it will be so sure. every tool that you can gather on the way because you never know what, what will be helpful in your in next levels <laughs> that's so true yeah i love that analogy that's such a good analogy like this is a useful tool, just not at this stage. Um, when I was in a low point in my life, some, some of the things that I understood I had to just not use because I, I wasn't at a place to be able to use them. Because it's like, <laughs> to give you an example, I was um, two years ago, uh, went broke and had to live out of, I didn't have to, I chose to too. Like, but my options were I had to live out of a van. That was my options. And I had to eat out of the dollar store. And so I had to eat genetically modified food and like basically crackers for dinner. They couldn't afford anything else. But like all the knowledge of nutrition as a tool wasn't helpful in that moment because I was like, I don't want to know all this about food because <laughs> I couldn't yeah, afford but it. Look also the 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 other picture. You can also say, okay, I also know what is the tool you made also in that moment is that ability to know that you are able to live with less, like an, not mm -hmm. such a great level of comfort. Oh, I'm able to do it. For most of people that I'm gonna face like discomfort is really a big anxiety. Mm. I, can, I, I can't have a house. You know, like the Maslow pyramid of needs, yes. like physiological yes. need, can I eat, have a shelter, whatever. Those physiological need before the safety and after the social engagement. So building the fact that you can like, like, you know, when people ask me what's the biggest threat of the new, like the, the, that new generation, comfort. I think comfort is going to kill us. 
<laughs> really, I, I think like we we normally we should seek comfort for uh, we should seek comfort for survival. But it came to a point that we have we not like we we seek comfort to just for the sake of having more comfort more comfort <laughs> food more easy delivery more fasting amazon prime you all want quick and this is what's going to kill us you know i hate this sentence by coaches who say um uh, out of the comfort zone is where magic happens because that's let's sing to people that comfort zone is where you are like you should stay in comfort zone. That's where you live. And sometimes when you want magic to happen, you have to go out of the comfort zone. <laughs> no, that's a reverse. Like we, we have no, no, no needs for any comforts. We just need to go out in the comfort zone to get some comfort and, and bring then get back, back. Some comforts to, <laughs> and just like take what you need. You know, like we cavemen, he go out, he search for like a, a, a skin to like to be more warm, to not die. That's not means that you, you have to have all those clothes all the time on you. You know, so I had this sentence about out of comfort zone is where <laughs> magic happened. No, not going so much in the comfort zone. You know, this is the thing. Just have less comfort and just take the comfort as you need it. You know, <laughs> like reverse process. Um, I think we have sheep perspective it's like you know do you really need like uh, i don't know um two pack of toblerone uh you know or do you really need like this um uh, like I, I had a friend like a few days ago uh and it, it, it was in paris because in you in bali that's really different on that it's like she ordered something on amazon prime and she was really upset because they didn't deliver it in 24 hours and she had it in 48 hours and, and she was really, really, really upset. And I was like, yeah, but they should deliver it almost instantly. We are in the 21 century. And I was like, what? you know, and is it like really an important object? And she said like, yeah, that's like a, a bottle opener or something. And I was like, what's the problem, you know? But do you really need that? No, I have another one, but I really want this one, you know? And she was really, really upset because it didn't deliver that fast. We all want things instantly right now. And this is the same with our own pro problem, mental anxiety. I'm hypnotherapist and I have a lot of people coming to me sometimes and saying, oh, I have that phobia, uh, for example, fear of flying and I fly tomorrow. Can you fix me? No, <laughs> you know, that's not a magic one you know like every people want a magic one the truth is that that's not bad everything in life that you want to improve in you i will not use the word change but everything that you want to improve in you need time and need time also to become an habit need your dedication need your persistency and efforts and authenticity and and your inner strength and and passion or it will not stay you know like nobody can give you n nothing in life you have to to get it and you have to take it and it will ask efforts <laughs> and that's going to be instant that that's i think um the main lesson i had to face in in those years yeah so i mean I, this is i find this really hilarious because i just analyze like 
you know, like I'm, I've come to optimize my life essentially. Right. Like, so like, I don't, yeah. I don't have to make any more as many trips to the grocery store anymore because the groceries are delivered here. I figured out, but I, like, I'll have to figure out all these steps along the way, but like it's through optimization, but also I, I'm like reflecting not just on me. I think of like when you're speaking of like the magic's outside the comfort zone, like I, the average person is just like really comfortable in there, in that, in that space in themselves. So then like, what does someone, cause like, I guess naturally as we grow, like we, that becomes normal. Now we're accustomed to it. Now it's comfortable. So what was once uncomfortable becomes comfortable. What's your thoughts on that? Comfort for me is what you used to it. If you're used to like a house and like, um, but even like running the tap water that you can drink and suddenly you go in Bali, that's super discomfortable no, because you can. need to get some bottle of water, you know? So the, the comfort is also what you used to. If you live in a house since like 10 years and suddenly you go in a van, at that moment, it must have been really discomfortable for you because you was not used to that. But after a few months, when you get used to live like that, and suddenly you go back in a house, you're like, you are one super grateful, but also like your level of needs, your level of like habituation is different. The brain love, your body love what's familiar. That's by repetition that also we build comfort. And, and discomfort is also what you're not used to. Um, the level of also seeking comforts is, and, and seeking what can normally help you live better. Uh, so what we have is like seeking for just element of comfort out there. It's maybe you did it in, in your van phase. Like, okay, maybe I'm going to buy a curtain because like I need to close that part or stuff. You, you begin, you can't have that full comfort that you had in a house. So you're going to optimize your space and mm -hmm. seek for comfort element to bring in your mm -hmm. discomfort zone, you yeah. know? And, and I think this is also the good way to go. That's not mean that we should not like, like you were saying like grocery delivery and stuff. Like I, I lived in Bali too, you know, like go Jake. Oh my, my God. You know, like the first days in Paris, I was, okay, I, I'm hungry. I'm going to go Jake. I said, oh, go Jake. Don't take this here. My God. What the <laughs> like, you know, massive laps, you know, like, oh my God, why go Jake is not existing here. Uh, you know, but the, the truth is like when you, like, it, it's, Comfort, if you do grocery delivery, it's, you, talk about, you talked about optimization. Mm -hmm. Optimi if you do grocery delivery just for the sake of not walking to the grocery store, it's, for me, it's like, yeah, going again, like comfort zone, comfort zone, and thinking again for comfort. But if you do that for the sake of, at that moment, it saved me time to like workout, going to the gym, or that saved me time because at that moment I can work from home on whatever editing I have to do. And I, I order, I prepare my grocery uh, on, on the computer. They deliver it as I work. And, I, and when they deliver it, I stop working and, and clean everything. 
it, it's optimization. It, you know, it's also that, that um, why do you seek for that element of comfort? What's the purpose of it? And sometimes when you ask people, they have no clue. They seek comfort for the sake of comfort. And I think that's why I say, I think comfort is going to kill us. <laughs> you know, um, in, uh, when you face a chronic disease like mine, you know that you can't always prevent bad things to happen. That discomfort is life is not supposed to be comfortable all the time and life and it's not in comfortable space that you grow it's like trying to stop the rain and because you don't like the rain but if it's not raining there is no green space mm -hmm. um sometimes it's rain more than other and on some places is rain the rain falls more than in other places. I lived in London, I can totally tell you that. <laughs> it's raining every day. Uh, you know, it's, I'm in Paris right now, it's raining, and I'm sure in Paris it's not. And that's like for people. On some people, the rain, the challenge is gonna like fall more often. Um, that's not mean that bad people or that bad places. That just means that it's different. But maybe they are greener, so there is more, um growth there too it's like it's different and we really think that uh, challenges rain moments are bad but that's not true that's absolutely not true there's sun behind those clouds <laughs> and, and also that that just like we really think that um i know that's a conception that you should be happy all the time. Mm -hmm. You should have like a perfect life. That's not happened. Mm -hmm. This is life, guys. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and, and, and trying to push that away and trying having the perfect life. And you know, like um, I have my yoga teacher said me once, what's the goal of people? And a lot of people think, and I saw it, thought it like in the past, they want to be happy. People want to be happy. That's not true. And they say, it's, it, it, it said, they want to be whole. Mm. There is nothing you can add to yourself that will make you, make you more you. Mm -hmm. Everything that you have ever needed is there. Everything, and you, if we remove something, that's not you. But if we add something different, that's not you. That's also why I don't like the word change. You don't make change people. You, you make them grow. This is completely different. The tree, when it's a baby plant and the tree is not different, there is just growth in between. You can improve. You know what I learned from myself and coaches in, in coaching people is that we really think like people need to change or but they are perfectly perfect as they are. And all that can they, they think it's bad. You can reverse. Every vicious circle in people can be reversed in a virtuous circle, like in a good circle, cycle. And this is the, the trick. It's like people think like bad diets, but you can transform a bad diet in a good diet. Everything that can destroy your life can improve it also. And it's just about shifting the perspective. Oh, you have a bad diet, so switching in a good diet. My breathing is dysfunctional. So 
have a functional breathing. Oh, I have like bad thoughts. So hypnose yourself with good thoughts. You know, every power that I use, hypnosis, breathing, are like the, can be all cause and the consequence of like a, a bad, like thing in your life, cardiovascular disease, whatever, but they like, and if you, you can reverse it in a good, in, in, in a good thing, it's up to you to use, like, it's a, the problem is a tool. We think the problem is a tool, but it's not the, the way you use it. I have a glass and I can drink liquid and it's a great liquid container, but I can also draw with it. It's, the problem is not the, the tool we have is there. It's how we use it. And I think a lot of people don't get it. They think the problem is them. No. Okay, maybe the problem is them, but they are also the solution. Mm. Is that the thing? Reverse the process. All your bad thing in you can be also the really your power. That's what makes you strong. And thinking that you need to add or remove things from yourself is, I think, the misconception that makes people like go the wrong way. They try to add stuff to themselves. They try to remove stuff from themselves. They try to change. They think they have to change themselves. No, there is nothing that you, you can add to yourself that will make you more you or remove to yourself and that will make you better. But take everything in consideration. Take all your bad patterns, all your polarities and, and make them work and serve you. Because that's it. You are just in a pattern that you like your polarities don't serve you but what happens if you manage them handle them and make them works for you and not against you that's what happened with epigenetic i can i change my diet i change my way of breathing i change my way of working and what's worked for me will certainly not work for everyone but what i can say is like every people have the solution in them I love that. It's, it's so, it's so true. Uh, and I completely, uh, echo what you're saying. That's, it's so beautiful. Um, I would love to hear your perspective. Um, I, since being a psychologist, I don't know if that's what you would call yourself, but, um, just to encompass some of your work, um, I'd be curious what, what, what do you think social media is doing to our psyche? And what do you see is going to be our future with social media? And what, will it, what kind of effects is it having on our brain? That, that's really a bad subject because as we were saying, I think it's also showing that perfect image of happiness that it's a problem. Like we show the best of our life. We show... Um, but we don't, we don't show the setbacks. We don't show reality. Like, and, but the problem is like, we don't show reality, but this is real person that deals and go on Instagram. I had to face some influencers, uh, because, for example, in Bali, there is a lot of influencers. So I got in touch with a lot of people, uh, even with a lot of followers. And when I was like asking from like for tips and stuff, they was like telling me about so, those strategies and stuff like follow and follow. For those who don't know what's follow and follow, it's like you follow that pe person so they see you, 
and right after they have followed you, you unfollowed them. And I say, this is bad. This is this is not something that we should do. No, no that that that's mean. You know, like, hey, I want to be your friend. That that was a trick. No, that just for you. Then <laughs> everything, like, you, you know, like all those <laughs> principles. And 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 I was like listening to like also like selling those products, saying, ah, this is a bottle of uh, Vita Coco stuff. <laughs> and do you drink that? No. So why do you like advise people to drink it? No, it's shit, but like they pay me to say it. And you're like, you know, it's bad. Or, oh, I'm going to criticize that cause because it's controversial and stuff. And you're like, oh, oh, I don't like what you post. So I'm your friend in real life, but I'm going to unfollow you or stuff or whatever. And all those principles. And when I said that, you realize that you like, I, it's bad. You know, you will not do that in real life. Yeah, but it's social media is different. And I begin to say, no, it's not different. You deal with real people. They are just like a screen away from you. So when you behave differently because it's Instagram or social media, you're like, your word has meaning and meaning of consequences. I don't remember who said that, but this is the same thing. It's not because they have a screen of difference that the person is not there. And I think the problem is like we see insult, bullying, and and that's make everything the communication easier. But also all the bad thing in communication, bullying, um, uh, those bad behavior of rejecting, ghosting, and all those baby mental abuse that we can see in real life stonewalling ghosting um gaslighting and whatsoever happening on a bigger scale and i think that's a problem and but i think we also have the solution just be more authentic more real just and and for the people who are on instagram remember that we should just one part um of our life is um, like a business card like you or a photo album we don't put a bad picture nobody do that and this is is life but we need to remember that that this this is reality but it's a part of the reality it's a perception of it it's a really like a a short vision you know like so we, we need to remember that to be able i think just to and we need also to come out there with that saying, hey, this is just a part. Like, uh, and remember that there is human screen away. Like weirdly, when someone texts me on Instagram, I answered like, like someone told me, oh, you answered me. Yeah, but yeah, but you communicate. And after you went to see my profile, yeah, I'm like, yeah, like, all human, you know, that's, yeah, I deal with real people, you know? Um, so, and when people ask me, what's your strategy on Instagram, acting the same way that I act in real life, <laughs> you know, I, I think, I, I think that, yeah, that, that's what I think about social media, but I'm not like really good at social media, I think for that reason, but I think we sh- should also stop to com- like saying like, see the number of followers as a, as a metric for the value of people. <laughs> also that. Isn't that the truth? Um, yeah. So for myself, um, I'm about as raw and um, 
unaware as it gets. I'm getting a lot better now, but that's why it makes me laugh because like all these things that people are doing that for me, I'm just uh, at the beginning of it. Um, I got social media last year for the first time in my entire life. So all these uh, different things and strategies humans do for whatever <laughs> their motive is, <laughs> is I find it really interesting. I'm like hearing it for the first time, you know, so but also what I try to do too is like, you know, I want to be, my, my intention is to try to be as close to my heart as possible, as digitally as possible, you know? Um, but I find it so fascinating, right? Cause like, if I look at my own self, like, when do I share or when, like, I'm just thinking about like, I'm going to, I'll do stories today, but like this story I'm going to tell is just something I feel inspired telling, but it's like, when we capture a moment, it's going to be tops 15 seconds. Well, that the, the actual environment, the situation that we're in is like a lot more than 15 seconds and a lot more things are happening in 15 seconds. And there's just one view of it. There, there's a, so many different viewpoints of that moment. So it's, it, it can be difficult. And also like, you know, like, but I, I know that a lot of people struggle with that too. It's like, you have those people that you meet from their social, uh, you have the access to their social media and you meet them in, in real life. And some people were like, are they the same person? It's not possible. They don't think the same way. They don't act the same way. Like, they are like, really like, you know, like those influences that, yeah, peace and love and we love the world and namaste and whatever. And, and in real life, you're like, like what, what? You have an evil twin, or you have an evil twin, and I didn't know. And what's uh, uh, you know, like that's mind blowing. Uh, and you're like, all oh, that energy is spending to show off something that's not real, and, and after acting completely different way, and you're like, and you have those person who have like on Instagram, they are so funny, and you realize they are exactly the same person. Oh, like in your, you have that congruency uh, between the two. And I think like when you ask what I think the problem with social media, I think congruency. I mm. think authenticity and congruency and, you know, all those things that make also, you, you know what's really interesting when you, for example, um, have the word confidence. Confidence is about security, the, the stability. You're sure you're certain of something. And I think that what will bring confidence of people is to be more congruent, more mm -hmm. authentic, have mm -hmm. more persistency and consistency, more reliability. And I think that's what we begin to lack on social media because it's beginning to be acceptable to like be two different persons for the sake of the gram and the numbers and the metrics and to be a like also uh, if you want to be successful on social media you have to influence to be influenced that way or that way and we begin to say to people and i think it's what it's like a little bit vicious there that they need to be someone different they need to be as the others to be valuable and to have followers and stuff instead of being themselves. And they try to do like the others and to, to fit in a strategy. But the problem, I think the really 
big change of strategy is like allowing to be yourself and, and accept yourself, not because you are perfect, but because you need you, the growth can just happen within yourself and not uh, by thinking and, and trying to, to be someone different. It's just having a mask and growth happening inside, not from outside in, you know, like that, that's not working this way. And yeah, I just think it, it, it's like showing, it's making something shifting in the mind of people that need also to be said. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I actually, before I got social media, I would, I had a pretty big um, judgment on social media because I, uh, I never had it until I was 30 years old. And so I would see what it's doing to us as a, as a humanity, but my lens on it was just, um, I, I, I had a cognitive bias, I guess you could say on it. But then as I've been going into it, I'm realizing though, on this other side, it's just, it's, it's just a tool. Essentially, it's just a yeah. tool. Go ahead. And again, the tool is not the problem. The tool is never the problem. It's how you use it. Mm -hmm. It's like, how do you use the tool? Like we really think that the tool is a problem, but uh, yeah, it's how you sharpen your tool and how you use the tool. Like, yeah, this is, this is actually not, Instagram is not a problem. Social media is a great opportunity to touch a lot of people, to communicate, to, um, to gather people together, to bring community together, um, to spread awareness, uh, confidence and good communication, you know, but that's, that's the problem is like, that's a, a, that, again, we talk about the good positive cycle and the vicious cycle. That's not what there's a problem. That's not just a tool and what's inside is how you use it. Mm -hmm. So everything that is actually a good thing can become a bad thing used in, in a bad way. And something that actually is not really positive but you change the way you use it can become a really positive thing. Like your diet, like, you know, my DNA was really a problem for me. And I was sure that I wanted to change my DNA and, and that I've, I didn't have to have that symptoms anymore. Or I, but now I know how to handle my body. Uh, nobody would make it work as like, I'm the best person to have that body. I know per and you know what? If you would give me the best body ever, uh, a massive, like beautiful girl, super strong, I can do push up, like I, I could, I could manage it. I couldn't manage it. I would not know how to handle that. But I know how to handle my body, and all the thing is about how can I handle what they are better. How can I, I can become more functional, how can I make that body works for me? So it's not about having, the problem is not about, I'm considered as hypermobile. Um, is the hypermobility the problem? No, it's not the hypermobility. It's to bring stability into the hypermobility. But once I'm there, that means that I can do also super, super good stuff like split and whatsoever. The only thing is to be able to stabilize and be stronger in that position. 
basically what that's also why I train in, in gyms like Yavana and Bali and, and stuff to, to, to be able to, to, to do that. So um, uh, again, everything that can be used badly and some and it's just about to handle it in a better way. So yeah. And so how how can you relate that to what we're experiencing right now on our planet? On on the planets you mean well, like COVID in, in a, yeah in the climate that we're in right now with everything. How how's your experience been in on it and what's your take on it? Like a few weeks ago I put a story uh on, on Instagram saying it's like what I call the Titanic symptoms <laughs> syndrome. It's like if sometimes I ask to my clients, if you want to save the Titanic, what do you do? And they say, remove the iceberg. <laughs> That's the first thing you see you, you, you think, remove the iceberg. But the truth is like when you ask them, so you're gonna remove all the icebergs from the sea, and every time the boat go out you remove the iceberg and they say no like that's not sustainable but for saving the titanic you just need to remove that iceberg yeah but how do you know that you're not gonna eat another iceberg do you not prefer to fix your boat and make sure you can resist all the iceberg possible if it's coming and i said the situation with covid and stuff is the same like we try we are focused on the iceberg but we're not focusing on the like deficiency we have and why we are not resistant to those icebergs coming so we don't fix the boat obviously fixing the boat like uh, processed food bad diets uh, massive dysfunctional breathing patterns um all those um, like mental um issues um all that we can't we, we don't fix because it's a long-term process and it will ask us also to like interrogate and and have a like real big reflection on how we live and to be able to change that and instead we try to remove all the straight away like from everything but we waste so much energy like when you really think about that it's like oh my god so, so people who like have also suffered the most are suffering from bad alimentation bad diet why we don't change that why we don't take that in consideration and in, in a lesson in a lesson for the future and that's again the same it's like trying to remove all the icebergs and, and just like okay we need to make that boat continue floating and that's gonna be okay yeah no that, i i think the problem is like there will be other icebergs on the way and and we are not ready to face it if we don't fix our boat I like that. I've never heard that before. Um, I have one final, uh, well, two final questions, but my last question for you today, um, you did a post and I actually sent the post to my girlfriend um, because I thought it was so fascinating. I never heard the term before, but it's just so interesting because um, she has experienced it. And what I love about psychology is that when we have like a, an awareness around it, then it's not, a, it doesn't, at least for me, it doesn't like hold me down as deeply because I'm like, oh, there it's happening. Um, and so you said the word, you did a post on medical gaslighting. And I thought that, wow, what an awareness to have 
especially someone in some sort of chronic something that that this is happening and how often does this happen um and then it brought a beautiful discussion about how this is constantly have been happening to my girlfriend in what she's experiencing with her symptoms in their gut and so do you want to just explain to me and to the listeners what medical gaslighting is please Gaslight, gaslighting, medical gaslighting is a form of, um, of, of gaslighting. Gaslighting is a mental abuse. Um, medical gaslighting can be um, do consciously or unconsciously. Mostly it's do unconsciously because of bias, cognitive bias from doctors. It's when a doctor completely dismiss um, your symptoms or blame you for your symptoms because he thinks it, it you don't see this, like, like a reason for it. So the reasons must be uh, you and in your head. So it, it's victim blaming and it's pushing you to, to question your thoughts, your perception and your own sanity. Sometimes you, you really feel that you're getting crazy. I, I, like, I had that moment when people were saying, oh no, you're so stressed. Oh, you're, come on, you're like, you can't be in that much pain. You're, you're faking. You're seeking for, seeking for attention. Or, and, and this is really difficult also because this is ongoing trauma to be dismissed that much. Because there is also people who will never get um, into a dog, like me, even me, if, when I have to go to the hospital, I'm really... Um, facing level really high level of anxiety because and i have a, a diagnosis and i have papers like prove what what i have so it's easier for me now but i think it's um what you was describing is with that post is that and that's why i want to bring those subjects into light is that at the moment you saw that post you say oh oh, I didn't know. Oh, this is actually what's happening to my girlfriend. So you engage a conversation. She, she feels validated. So, so suddenly it's like, I am normal. I understand the process. I know this is not me. I know I have a certain level of validation. That also allow you to understand her more in her, like, what she, in her own challenges. So this is a magical thing with awareness. When you begin to, like, be aware of things you don't act the same way and this, this is what i try to do for example when i talk about a few years ago now i wrote an article about spoonies uh, chronic disease people are called spoonies because that's how we handle our energy with like the image of spoon and when some people like i wrote the article in the for explaining to my family and friends what I was living, but also in the like purpose to like have a medium for people to say, this is what I live, look. Because sometimes the problem with medical gaslighting is also family gaslighting. No, doctor says it's not possible. So it's not possible. Mm. So we are like isolates, we isolate ourselves as uh, chronic disease people. But I think it's not just like chronic disease uh, patients like me, it's also uh, people facing health anxiety or trauma disorder, or um, people facing, I don't know, uh, 
binging problems or pulling their hair, you know, and they have no clue that actually there is also, there is a powerful thing by saying to people, look, this is not just you, you are not alone. And also to be able to create a support to make family and friends understand and say, this is what's happening. Oh, so you can communicate better, you know. There is when you like make people able to understand what you live, you begin to create that level of empathy that make people be able to live together. So yeah, this, I think it's not just like about medical gaslighting, it's about awareness in general that, and also like medical gaslighting also opens a conversation about family gaslighting, about gaslighting in general, and uh, yeah. It, it was so beautiful, actually, Pauline, because I remember distinctly about it, my, my, my girlfriend went on a 70-day detox. And obviously, I'm really, like, intimate with her symptoms. I'm around her. I'm, like, also in some ways helping her and guiding her through some of the stuff um, emotionally and mentally. So, like, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the ground floor with what she's experiencing. And I can remember, like, after I saw that, I went right to that moment. And we were in the doctor's office here in Bali at this place called BSI. And I remember what the doctor said to her. And as soon as we got out of that room, I was like, we're not taking that. We're, that, is, that is not coming in here because that is not a solution. You're doing that. And, that, and actually, if the doctor took your whole picture and, he would know that that would definitely not be the solution. So then I saw that I was like before my own eyes, because I haven't really um, spent too much time in hospitals and stuff. I really witnessed the human ego. And I realized that because this doctor didn't have an answer, he just projected this uh, solution out of because he didn't know. And he's supposed to be the smart guy with all this data and all this stuff. And he clearly didn't take in all the whole picture of her, even though the space is supposed to take in the whole picture, didn't consider her as her entirety of her body and just purely medical gaslighted on her. And I sent that post to my girlfriend. I was just like, this is what happened. And like we walked out that day and like she, she hasn't really been supported in the way that I guess I've supported her through her medical journey. And I was just like, absolutely no way. <laughs> we are not yeah, accepting that. It's, all, it, it's also to be, I think there is two symptoms in also what you describe. It's like about the bigger picture. It's like, you, you know, I like that image. Uh, sometimes I share it on my story. It's like five doctors blinded and touching an elephant. And you say, oh, this is a, yes. a pillar. Uh, this is a thing. And because, and he touched, oh, this is maybe a plant or whatever. And because, and and someone step back with not the blind and say oh this is just this is just an elephant guys and the problem is like we don't step out we don't take the big picture this is also when i, I explain that to help with medical gaslighting is to have like a multi-speciality center because when you have much more people involved in the process mm -hmm. it's much harder to gaslight because gaslight is um, it's one generally one person that's due to the bias of one person, at least in medical gaslighting. And 
also the other thing is like we suffer from like another problem i saw a post it made it made me furious uh, the other day a thing that a therapist should never say to a patient i don't know what's the problem with i don't know i don't i prefer someone who said to me i don't know but let me search on it Mm -hmm. I don't know, but let's find out together. Mm -hmm. Like we have a problem with, I don't know, but actually mm -hmm. the people who, have the, who are the smartest people on earth would have mm -hmm. the, like, it's really beautiful to know so much about a subject to say, I know everything, but I'm going to tell you something. The people who know so much about a subject, we always say, this is what I still don't know about that. They are really happy to search more, to research more. And they know that they have no, not a, a perfect sense of everything. So I love when a doctor, but also people tell me, oh, I didn't know about that, or I don't know that. Instead of saying, I don't know that, so it's, it, it can't exist. You know, like having that ego talking that also we have put so much responsibility on doctors, therapists, mm -hmm. and whatever. They should know everything or they are incompetent. No, incompetent, like competent people are long life learners. Uh -huh. They learn every day. They and when they see something that they don't understand or don't know, they search on it and they become like like more more knowledgeable and more efficient in whatever skills they have. So this is not like a perfect doctor or perfect person don't know everything. Like doesn't know everything for sure, but they always push the boundary of their knowledge. And this is the thing they have a problem doctors and people in general have a problem by saying i don't know mm -hmm. but let me search and I, i'm really happy to learn i'm sometimes say oh this is why i believe that because that research is like a bunch of research she said uh said uh that so this is why i believe but if i'm wrong and if you have other information there by all means give me say it you know i'm really happy to change my mind i'm really happy to say i was wrong and i think that the massive progress we made in in like the uh, history of humanity is the moment we say oh we was wrong the earth is not flat we was wrong you know uh, so it's that process of saying i was wrong because so now I know, oh, this is actually interesting. So this is the thing. When a doctor is unable to say, oh, this is new. I didn't saw that before. You know, I, actually, most of my doctors, uh, for example, my GP in Paris that I really love, she's like, I've been such a useful help for me, is a Lyme specialist because a lot of symptoms of Lyme are actually the same than EDS. Patients, and what's actually happening? She say, "Oh, I realize that I have misdiagnosed some of my patients who actually have potentially EDS. So I am retesting them, but she had the like also the I think the strength, inner strength, to call back her patient and say, "Listen, I met a girl." she have like a lot of symptoms similar as you and i begin to wonder if you don't have that other disease and if the fact that the treatment is not working is because you don't have lyme but you may have eds would you be okay to be tested 
and and actually on some people that have helped to adjust the treatment and she's always like okay i don't know that uh can we call someone when and that's also what i've been current to be able to refer to specialists to be able to work with other people and today few years after i have seven ten specialists around a cardiologist like um gynecologist a gp to coordinate everything a rheumatologist and we it's like a teamwork we work all together to make a solution and i think nowadays some doctors are like i need to get the solution all by myself alone and i need to be an answer for everything hey like too much responsibility on your shoulder man <laughs> you know <laughs> not working so i think that's also that 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 ability to say i don't know yeah um what a beautiful uh experience i'm so happy and grateful i got to experience it now also with that awareness um it's it was just i i, I cherish even though it's been like um a massive growing and and a lot of uh patience is is and and trust but like also with knowing that it gives me empathy for humans uh like yourself um because i connected to someone that i've never really experienced to what she's experiencing in her body to that degree so it makes me uh, yeah have empathy when i meet someone like you to like yeah just know a little bit deeper into all the process um so pauline as we're coming towards the end of our podcast um is there anything else in your heart that you haven't expressed today that you would like to express um i, I think um because we were talking about empowerment and that people have the solution and some people sometimes ask me um that that i'm a source of inspiration and that i empower people and and what I always say in that thing, I want to people to remember that I, I don't empower anyone. Nobody has the power to give you power. The power is already there. And people are already really, really powerful. It's just like, because of the challenging, the challenges they, they face, they think they have no power anymore. They think that the challenges take out all the power out of them and they try to, to find the power out and it's still there. It's such, they need to use it again. They need to un like uncover it. And, and I think it's really important for people to remember that nobody can empower you. They just make that power more visible and more, uh, and make you able to use it again. Uh, when you have like uh, um, setback in your life, that just sad. So um, I don't want to, people to, to feel hopeless and uh, helpless. We just like, just remember that the, the, the power and the solution is still here and I've never left. And just, yeah. That's really beautiful. I love that. It's uh, so true. Um, thank you so much for sharing. Um, now we're, I just go through last round, I asked all my guests similar questions. Um, so that the listeners get repeat from, um, but different perspectives. So, um, Pauline, what is your, other than, um, YouTube, Instagram search engines, um, what is your, what's your favorite app on your phone? 
Snapchat, uh, social media and stuff. Yeah, apart from um, those. Ah, I would say um, I have two, Spotify and Audible. Uh, book. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's a good I, one. I really, yeah, I really like to practice generally when I'm at the gym or whatever and even like uh, riding my bike. I always like either have music or have a podcast or have uh, a book. Um, uh, I really like that medium uh, for reading books because I'm dyslexic and reading is really hard for me. Uh, so what generally I do is I listen to a book uh, uh audible version and i go back to the book and and read what's really interesting like for me or what i want to take back because it takes me less energy than reading so yeah okay that's cool so then now speaking of books what's your most gifted book to people my most gifted yeah bo the book, book the book that you give out the most to people mm, so happiness trap Rosaris. Which, uh, sorry, what, what's that one? The happiness what? The, the happiness trap. The happiness trap. Uh, by, and who, who's that by? Yeah. Uh, Russ Harris. Okay. Uh, this, this is one of the master of acceptance commitment therapy. And it's really about uh, how we are focused too much on happiness all the time and how to accept and live life to the fullest. So it, it's really a really useful book. Not so big, really easy to read. And the other book, I would say, The Illuminating Breath by Dylan Werner. Because hey. I think, yeah. It's a good one. It's, 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 my, it's a really recent book, but it's really an excellent book for people who want to go into breath work. I'm a breath worker, worker I'm a breath practitioner, and it's really a game changer in breath, breath work. So I really advise it to a lot of people at the moment. So That's yeah. really cool. Um, I've not come across it, but I just saw on your Instagram that you recommended that book. So um, I'm curious to get into that. I've, I've got that. That's a whole new area that I need to, and I will dive into at some point. I'm really excited. So let's say you could put a billboard um, in the busiest street in Paris. And on that billboard, you could write two to three sentences or put a quote. What message would you want to get across to a million people every day that walk past it? Mm. This is like, uh, what, what would I say? It's, Ah, this is a hard one because you 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 could say a lot of things to people, but like I I would say you're perfect as you are. Mm. Everything everything is there. Oh, uh, I, I this is a sentence that I say a lot at the moment. You can get better or you can get better. That's up to you. When some, when something is like life throws a challenge at you. You can get better or you can get better. You can't like you can choose. You can't choose what's going like thrown at you, but you can like completely choose the way you're gonna react to it, and and you have always a choice to make it. I love and that. And the last sentence that I would put is like, not to choose is still choosing. <laughs> when you 
when you choose to stay in a bad environment, to not fix your diet, to not change, like to not like uh, integrate stuff that can help you, you you're still choosing. Even if not changing anything, is still choosing. Um, so not choosing is still choosing. Um, we can't put it up there because all we can do is put the first one. The second one, there won't yeah. be space. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I, I love this one or, or the other way that I've heard it said. Um, not making a decision is still a decision as well. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is really powerful. Um, I remember when I heard that for the first time, I'm like, that is so true. That is still a decision just to stay and not make one. Is it still a decision? Yeah. You know, it's like when you stay in a bad relationship for you or toxic relationship, mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, but I, I, I can't make it. Like, I can't make a decision. It's still a decision. You, you decide to stay. It's, it's a decision. Um, oh, I, I don't change my diet. I can't decide if I want to do it. Yeah, so you have to make a decision. You, you don't change your diet. You, you, you stick to that unhealthy diet. You stick to that unhealthy vicious cycle. So, yeah, it's still a decision. We think we don't choose, but yes. we, we choose every day. And um, I'm sure you've heard this before too, like where we are are a sum of our choices we've made. Yeah. And so our- And every day, we every day we choose. You know, like when we were talking about that lapse moment, yes. we choose how much that lapse is gonna stay, gonna stay you know? <laughs> <laughs> like like the, the, the difference is like, do you want to be like in a lapse or go, like lapse, 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 relapse? You know, sure, like, sure. Um, and finally, what's um in the last six months what's a new habit you've acquired it's a new habit that like positively um, impacted your life um in the last six months um i uh, i changed my way of training so i do more strength and mobility work and i take sun I, I I do more sun bathing. I expose myself more to sun. Uh, it's yeah because I'm really pale, so I really like try to stay away from the sun. And I meet some friends who say no 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 vitamin D and stuff, and you need mm -hmm. to go out there and take the sun. So I would say um, walking for sunset and uh, sunrise. Oh, that's take awesome. The sun at that and has the sun changed since being in Paris from being in Poly? is it not as hot like the there sun, no there is no like it's supposed to be the summer there but it's, it's gray it's raining and and i'm like huh that, that's that's still a beautiful city but yes where there is not like welcoming me with uh, like a lot of <laughs> right that's so true the weather here just welcomes you doesn't it just like you're here awesome we love you. <laughs> it's just so yeah, great. Yeah, and in Paris, it's like, no. Like, you know, like, it's like a little bit snow, but, you know, like, no way. <laughs> like, is, it, is it nice, like, though, to you? put on um, different clothes, though? Yeah, it's, it's really weird because that's what I was saying. Like, comfort, you remember what we are used to? I arrived in Paris, and after traveling, I had... I had to put something that it's really weird for me to wear now. It's shoes. Yeah. My feet feel 
weird, you yeah. know. Like, <laughs> when my my plant of fascia is like, my God, what, what's uh, what's happening? <laughs> and I say, shit, I'm not used to shoes anymore. Like I'm like, mm, that's not, yeah, that's still not right. <laughs> like that's six, seven minutes that I uh, I'm bare feet or in flip flops, and <laughs> I'm like. Now you gotta cover your clothes, yeah, your toes. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, so, uh, yeah. I appreciate I appreciate you taking the time, Pauline, and sharing all your insights and your journey. And I'm well. We already know this. You've already positively impacted at least one person, and that's me. So <laughs> you've already done your that's job. That's perfect. Like, <laughs> like one people per one people. Exactly. You know? and, and you know, like this is a, a, a virtuous circle. You're gonna influence other people, and on the way, like. You know, you, you don't change the world, you change one people at a time, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah, and I really appreciate you taking the time sharing your journey. Um, if people want to connect with you or get to know more about you or, or get involved with your work, how can they find you? Um, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Um, I have also a website called The Resilience Mindset. And... That's and and how, how how do they spell your name on Instagram? Uh, Pauline Moldun, M O L D O U N. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much, and this was another episode of Inside Mentors Minds. <laughs>